This is the EPLOG audio experience. The views, thoughts and opinions expressed are the host's own and do not represent the views, thoughts and opinions of EPLOG Media Private Limited. The material and information presented here is for general information purposes and or entertainment purposes only. Listener discretion advised. This is the story of a truly courageous and selfless woman. She looked at danger right in the eye but did not let fear get in the way of what she knew was the right thing to do. Her efforts during World War II in Nazi-occupied Poland saved the lives of many. This is the story of Irina Sendler. Irina was born on the 15th of February, 1910, in Warsaw, Poland. Although a Catholic, she grew up in an area with large Jewish communities. Irina's father was a kind doctor. As a young girl, she watched her father treat the very poor and Jewish people in Warsaw for free during the dangerous typhus outbreak. He would tell her, when people are drowning, extend a helping hand. Race, religion and nationality are immaterial. Her father's compassion for vulnerable people had a profound impact on Irina, who would grow up and save the lives of thousands. But her father's goodwill would not last long. He contracted the typhus disease from one of his patients and passed away when Irina was just seven years old. After his death, the Jewish community he had treated offered financial support to Irina and her mother, but they declined. Later in her life, Irina studied law at the University of Warsaw. With the rise of Adolf Hitler and the Nazi party, anti-Semitism and racism against Jewish people was spreading like wildfire throughout Europe. In 1935, Polish universities began segregating the Jewish students from the non-Jewish students by making them sit apart in class. Students even had to start specifying their Jewish or non-Jewish status on their ID cards. But Irina did not stand by this silently. She aggressively opposed the new seating arrangement by sitting with the Jewish students during lectures. She defaced the non-Jewish identification from her report cards. In retaliation, the university would punish her and even bar her from writing her final exam. They called Irina a crazy, irrational woman with radically leftist views. While at university, Irina joined a group of social workers who went around Warsaw and helped impoverished people. She would see the cases of extreme poverty among the Jewish population. Heartbroken but motivated to make a change, she joined the Polish Socialist Party and secured a job at the Department of Social Welfare and Public Health. But a major shift soon arrived in Poland that changed the course of life for everybody. On the 1st of September, 1939, the Nazis invaded Poland and established authority over the Polish people. With them 
came the harsh measures they used to achieve their goals of creating a pure Aryan society and eradicating the Jewish population. German officials had fired all the Jewish workers in the government departments and barred the remaining employees to provide services to Jewish people. Synagogues were burned and various anti-Jewish laws were introduced. Adult Jews were forced into labor and ordered to wear white armbands. The Nazis kicked most of the Jewish people out of their own properties and businesses. Overnight, Jewish people lost their homes and entire livelihoods. An enraged Irina gathered her co-workers from the social welfare department and told them, we have to declare war on Hitler. Irina and her co-workers forged documents for wounded Jewish soldiers so that they could get the treatment they needed. This branched in to creating false documents to help entire Jewish families who were excluded from social welfare programs. But this wasn't enough. The Nazis were about to clamor all the Jews into submission and something even more dangerous and unexpected was coming for the Jewish people. In November 1940, more than 400,000 Jews were forced into one square mile of land. It was bounded by a 10-feet-high wall and under constant surveillance. This place was called the Ghetto and it was pure hell. The living conditions were horrible and inhumane. Barely enough food was provided to feed everyone. There was no proper sanitary or electrical infrastructure. Diseases like typhus were spread out all through the ghetto. And yet, no incentive was taken by the Nazis to improve the state of the ghetto and help the Jewish people. The malnutrition, overpopulation and lack of medical care soon led to nearly hundreds of people dying every day in the ghetto. Dead bodies of adults and children lay on the street as rats feasted on them. Every day was a constant struggle to survive just one more day. But there was one small gleam of faith. Using her position at the social welfare department, Irina gained access to enter the ghettos with the excuse of checking on the status of the typhus disease. The Nazis were worried about the disease spreading to other parts of the city. And so, they permitted Irina and her colleagues to enter the premises. Under her clothes, Irina would sneak in clothes, food, medicines and other necessities that people in the ghetto weren't able to get. This work was done at huge risk, as the Nazis made aiding Jews punishable by death. But it wasn't enough. People, especially young children, were still dying in large numbers. Every day, bodies were piled up on top of each other and carried away in trunks to who knows where. More needed to be done. So Irina and her team began the most dangerous mission yet. Irina and several others began to smuggle Jewish children out of the ghetto and send them to orphanages in the countryside. Irina snuck into the ghetto and convinced parents that she was trying to save their children. The parents 
very reluctantly and painfully let Irina take their children with no promise that they would ever meet again. The children were smuggled out in any way that could be possible. Young children were bundled in laundry, packed into anything they could fit in, ranging from boxes to baskets to briefcases and sometimes even coffins. On one instance, a five-month-old child was carried out of the ghetto in a toolbox. Older children were smuggled out through the sewer system. After they escaped, Irina forged documents for them and sent them to orphanages and institutions in the countryside. She kept a record of their identities by writing their names and their parents' names on thin pieces of cigarette papers. She kept those in jars and buried them. She held the slightest of hope that when the war was over, she could reunite the children with their families if they were even still alive. In 1942, the Nazis began sending the Jews from the ghetto to concentration camps. In a state of urgency, Irina joined a Nazi resistance group called the Zagota. This group provided funds to Irina, which helped more Jewish children out of the ghetto. But the mission had to come to a temporary halt. At three in the morning, on a dark night in 1943, Irina and her friend were at her house when suddenly somebody banged on her door repeatedly and demanded she open it. Someone had betrayed them and gave the Gestapo Irina's name. Both had to act quick. Irina gave the names of the children to her friend to hide. Impatient, the Gestapo broke down her door and ransacked her house for any clues that she was going against the Nazi government and aiding Jews. But they found nothing. Irina's friend had guarded the names below her clothes and didn't let the Nazis find them. But despite finding no evidence, Irina was still arrested. She was taken to the Gestapo's headquarters and brutally beaten. But not once did she let the names of the children or her colleagues slip off her tongue. After months of enduring physical and mental torture, Irina was sentenced to death by a firing squad. But while travelling in the car heading to her execution, somebody stopped them and the Nazi guards escorting Irina let her go. The Zigota had bribed the local Gestapo officials to cancel Irina's sentence and release her. Despite months of experiencing trauma at the hands of the Nazis, she resumed her work immediately. She worked as a nurse in a field hospital where several Jews were being hidden. By the end of the war in 1945, Irina and her team saved the lives of at least 2,500 Jewish children. Irina tried to reunite all the children with their parents, but most of them had been murdered. She became the head of the Department of Social Welfare and ran several projects that helped in the rehabilitation of the very few surviving Jews. She continued to be active in social work for the rest of her life. She passed away in 2008 at the age of 98. Irina's story is one of immense sacrifice while staring at death right in its face. Her strength and unbreakable dedication weren't recognized around the world for many decades. 
she was honored with several awards that would appreciate her courageousness. In 1965, she was recognized by Israel as righteous among the nations. But despite all of this, but despite all of this, she disliked being called a hero for all that she did. She always had regrets over how little she thought she did and claimed she could have done much more. With this, we reach the end of today's episode. We would love to know how the story of Irina Sandler has inspired you. Connect with us and share your thoughts on our social media handles at EPLog Media on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. For more stories of immaculate women who shattered glass ceilings, subscribe now to the Women in History podcast.